So we want to welcome our online campus, just start out with that, that big shout out. And then also, can we give a, a big hand to Pastor Mike and Ruth West? They, they, they do so much for us. Uh, Mike filled the pulpit last week. I, I'm fully confident when, when Sean and I go that, that uh, Mike is going to do an, an incredible job. I call his wife Ruth, Dr. Ruth. Uh, she's a theologian. She's a apologetics uh, an apologist, and I'm telling you, she's, she's an amazing lady, and so we thank God for, for both of you. And I also want to give a shout out, because I talked to two people, and there's probably more that are celebrating your birthday today, so big hand for those that are celebrating their birthday, all you young people that, that are here. Um, so we've been in this wonderful uh, study through the book of Colossians, the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and uh, I, I, I hope you've noticed that, that Paul didn't start out the message. In, fa- in fact, the first p- half of the, the, the book or the letter, he's giving a theological uh, 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 teaching on your position as a Christian. When you receive Jesus, he wants you to know who you are, right? That you are transferred from a dark place into the, the kingdom of God's son, and you have a new identity, you have a new position, and from that position is how you should start to live your life and, and walk in this newness that, that you have. Uh, and and then, then that helps you uh, as he kind of uh, unveils uh, the things that we're supposed to live out. And it's interesting to me that the first practical thing that he starts with is a family. He talks about husbands and wives. And uh, Mike brought a wonderful message uh, on, on how husbands are called to love their wives and wives are called to respect their husbands. There's only one thing a, a man needs. Every man needs respect. Think about, think with me. Uh, if, if a man doesn't get respected, you're, you're ready to fight. And that's whether you're on the sandlot as a kid or as an adult, you, you want to be respected. And, and so God says, wives, set the tone in the home by respecting your, your hubbies. And then there's one thing that every woman needs, every young girl, the, the one thing that they need is love. They want a lot of other things, but, but they need one thing, and uh, that's, that's love. In fact, women will cross the thresholds of life into unhealthy places if they just tell them that they love them. Are you with me? And, and, then, and then he talks about children and how children are supposed to honor their parents because that's, a, that's something that comes with a promise. You have God honoring children. That's exactly what the after-school program is about, is bringing kids back to that place of honoring God, honoring parents, honoring country, honoring those in authority. Amen? That, that makes a healthy society. In fact, uh, I'm going to be doing a three-part series uh, coming up in about two or three weeks called uh, Marriage Matters. And talking about how marriage is described very clearly in the Bible. God is not confused about how marriage should operate. People are. And they're rewriting how marriage is supposed to be. We're going to talk about that. And uh, no, no punches pulled uh, on, on, on those, those three uh, messages that I will bring. But I think that, that God will, will ordain them. So then in, in, that, uh, in that same uh, passage, and we're going to look at it right now, uh, he talks about how, how, um, how and he, the, the, the literal there is how slaves are supposed to obey their masters. Uh, you have to remember that in, in Paul's day, uh, uh, slaves, uh, slavery was very prominent and, uh, and it was very normative. 
Uh, it's not normal to us today, but it was at that time. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But he talked about how, how uh, those that are working for their masters should submit to that and how masters are supposed to treat their, their workers. Well, we can translate that into uh, modern times. And how do we work for the people that are our employers? And as employers, as supervisors, how do we lead? It's a very good question. And it's interesting to me that in my, in my time in Cruces, I met with two of my, two of my favorite people from, from that area. Uh, one, one guy, his name is Eddie, Eddie Morales. I call him Eddie Mo. And Eddie is uh, the media director for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The Sun Bowl that's played every year there, uh, the collegiate football game where they have, uh, you know, these two great football teams come together. And he does all the media, does all the speaking. And so we, we got together. And then Chris Scott, uh, one of my dear relatives that we grew up together, and now Chris works for New Mexico State University. He is over the security. And, and, and both, uh, both are leaders. They're, they're, I would call them high-level leaders. And uh, they've done very well. But the, the topic that we, that we had at the center of it was Jesus, because they both love the Lord. That's always a good thing, amen? How many of you seek people out when you go to uh, different places who love Jesus and you have some fellowship? Anyone do that? It's wonderful to do. So we, we, we talked about Jesus. We had some great New Mexico cuisine, uh, you know, wonderful uh, breakfast. And, uh, and we talked about leadership. That was the topic of our discussion, and we took a picture there. Uh, little do you know there that I had spilled a whole glass of water on my lap, and uh, that's not seen. It was not a, a wet T-shirt contest, but it was definitely, definitely cold. Um, <clears throat> let, me, let me start out with a question. How many of you have ever worked for a bad boss? And Art, if Art's in here or Christy, you better not be raising your hand. How, how, many, how many of you have worked for, uh, for, for good ones? Is there a noticeable difference? Uh, let me ask this question. How many of you have been the bad boss? Right? Um, all of these things are, are important. Uh, we're going to learn in today's message, some practical tips on leadership as well as practical tips on how you're led by leaders. And I mentioned it, but I want to kind of solidify it. We, we have to take into account that in the first century, slavery was a normal part of life. In fact, uh, historians estimate that uh, at the time that Paul wrote the New Testament, uh, epistles in uh, the first century AD, there were like between the estimates are five to eight million slaves that resided in the Roman Empire, uh, including 15 to 25 percent of the total population of Italy. So the Apostle Paul, because he gets blamed for for advocating slavery, he wasn't advocating slavery, but he was speaking Christ into it. Are you with me? Now, this is important to, to everybody here because there are things that, that we face in life that we don't particularly advocate, but we can speak Christ into it. 
We'll see that in our, in our marriage series. Um, but but here, the, the, there were slaves that were, that were uh, non-followers, non-Christians, and then there were slaves that were becoming Christians, just like there were, there were slave masters that were non-Christian, and there were slave masters that were Christians that were coming to this church in Colossae. And all over the, the world, God was moving. And, and there, was a, there was a difference uh, from the slaves who lived in Christ than those who didn't. And Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, and this is what he said. He said, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile. That's important to us today. So there's no, for, with God, there's no difference between a, a Hispanic and, and, and someone that's an Anglo or someone that's Asian. or, or God doesn't see color. The only thing he sees is the blood of Christ that covers us. He says, there, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile. There, there's no longer slave or free, male or female. In other words, God, God puts equality. He puts, he puts worth on, on, on whether you're a woman or a man. That doesn't say that he doesn't see who's a woman and who's a man. He knows. There's, he created us male and female. Amen? Male and female. It's not, it's not real hard for us to, to actually understand whether we're male or female. It's not real hard. I know people make it real hard, but it's not. He says, for, for you are all one. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Their, their heavenly position had changed even if their earthly position had not. Are you with me? Their heavenly position had changed. We find this in the book of Colossians and we talked about it uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, where, where Paul writes, He, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Okay, so, so that's important. You, you were once a sinner, now you are a saint who sometimes sins. Amen? You're a holy one. And then it says, it says, who purchased, his son purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So Jesus paid it for me. I'm free. Whether I am a slave or a master, I'm free in Christ. So Paul wanted them to know that. But he also wants you to know that, that, that when you come to Jesus, and this is why it's so important for you to confess Jesus as Lord, to say, God, I need you. Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you because you're transferred. And, and, and now you're not bound to all of the things that, that had you uh, captivated and had you, uh, you know, chained like addictions and, and things, uh, maybe you feeling unworthy and maybe the things that you've been, that people have hurt you with and, and all these things that you're bound to it, you feel like if you're never gonna amount to anything. No, no, you're not that person anymore. You're free in Christ. And he forgave all the things that you were. All the things that you did. And he forgives all the things that you're doing. And he'll forgive all the things that you are going to do. That's the beautiful thing of the gospel. And, and, and when you look at, at this, at this uh, passage, this truth, in modern times, it changes the way that you live. Because you look at yourself differently. You know why? Because God looks at you differently. He sees 
the forgiveness of his son covering you. He sees the love of his son covering you. And he loves you with an unfailing love. And so it changes the way that you, that you work. It changes the way that you boss. It changes the way that you, are, that you, that you are, are a husband. It changes the way that you're a wife. It changes the way that you are a son or a daughter. It changes everything. Let me say this. Jesus changes everything. Because you're free. You're free to choose to do the things that God has you to do. And he doesn't force it. So we're not robots. I came up here on my own volition to preach. I could have stayed down there and everyone could have said, come on, please preach, Pastor. I said, no, 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 I don't want to go. No, think with me. Think, I could have. Same thing with you. No one forced you to come to church. Well, not everyone. Some of you, they did. Hurry up, get out of bed. I don't want to go to church. I, told, I could tell my wife that. I don't want to go to church today. He said, you have to, baby. You got to preach. So, so now we're going to open up this passage that, that, that Paul is, is talking to, uh, uh, to, to, to masters and let's just say servants. Now, do you remember that Jesus took on the place of a servant when he came to the earth? And he's master. Amen. He's creator. He's a sustainer of life. And he took the, the, the position, he took, he took the position of a, of, a, of a slave, of a servant. So that helps me to, to understand that, that in Christ, I can do the same. I can serve my wife. In fact, it, it's good for me to serve my wife. It's good for me to serve my kids. It's good for me to serve you. See, as a pastor, I should be the lead servant. Amen. And you know how I know you're growing in Christ when you start serving. That's when you know you're growing in Christ. When you start serving other people. When you, when you take yourself out of the equation that you want everything for you. And you actually put others first. Can I tell you Vacation Bible School? Those people that are serving actually are getting out of themselves. And doing something for someone else that potentially will make uh, lifetime servers of Jesus. But it takes, it takes you coming out of that. So verse 22, here's what, what Paul writes. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything that you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them, I love the, word, the verbiage right there, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. In other words, don't do it for them, do it for God. Love, love my wife, not necessarily for her, but because I love God. You see how it changes everything? Everything you do, you're doing it for God. Amen? Or everything that you're not doing, you're doing it, you're not doing it for God. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So I knew this when I became a Christian that BHP, Magma Copper, they, didn't pay, they weren't the, the, the ones that paid my paychecks. They signed the check, but the one that paid my paycheck was God. He's the one that gave me my job. He's the one that gave me, he gave me favor in the interview. He, he gave me favor as they promoted me. It wasn't the company. Some of you guys think that it was you. It wasn't you. <laughs> it was God. God has you where you're at. Verse 24, uh, I said that. Verse 25, but if you do what is wrong, if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong thing that you've done. Why? Because God is not partial. Amen? He's not a respecter of person. He's not like us. We're respecters of people. We change all the time. You, we, we favor people that maybe have the same uh, preferences that we do. We favor people that sometimes treat us uh, the way that we want for them to treat us, you know, or, or they have the same personality that, that, that we like, but we treat other people wrong. That's not God. God, God doesn't operate that way. And, and, and he, the word says that he will pay us back for the wrong that, that we do for, because God has no favorites. And then he says, masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you, you also have a master who's in what? In heaven. So if you're a CEO or you've been a CEO, you've been a president of a bank, you've been, uh, you know, you've been a high-level leader, like the people that I, that I showed in the picture, the reality is that you know, we have a master that we're going to face. And he's God. As a lead pastor, I'm going to give an account to God for everything. So, so even, even if I like you guys very much, I have to speak truth. You know, I, there's a lot of people that I really like a lot. I really, you know, I love you, but, you know, some people, they're, you know, they're not married. They're living together. They're doing that. I have to obey God rather than people. I've got to say the things that are truth. I've I got to talk about the gender crisis that we're having, which is not a crisis in God's book. God knows everything, and we've got to preach the word. And it's the same as, as, as you're serving, as you're serving, as you're working. Let me tell you something, beloved. When we work, God sees what we do. And when we boss people, God sees what we do. So there's some very, very wonderful practical tips that we can find in God's word. And, and, and what, what I've titled this is that if you understand that you're working for an audience of one, It'll change your life. And the audience of one is God. Jesus working through me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's your, your first point. How you lead from the second chair is just as important as how you lead from the first. So let's just talk business here. The, the first chair is an executive or a CEO or a boss. The lead pastor. First chair. Second chair would be an associate, a vice president. But did you know that a vice president or an associate or, or someone that is, is serving uh, in the third or fourth or fifth chair, you're still leading? 
Amen? You are still leading. You're going to lead with a positive attitude or a negative attitude. You're going to lead people into unity or division. You, 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 you might say, I can do it better than the boss. That's not God's way. God's way, if you're leading from the second chair, is I'm going to make my boss better. Jesus said, I came to do the will of my, of my father. He, he taught us that, that getting credit for, for everything is not God's way. And, and so when you lead from the second chair, it, it, it's vital. It's, it's vital because you, you understand that, that it doesn't matter where you sit, on what chair, um, that, that you're a leader, I, I put in my notes that um, I know how important it is, it is to lead from the second chair uh, as much as the first chair because God has taught me through my life how whatever position that he has placed me, that, that position or that, 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 um, that place in, in, in the workforce is important to the whole. Every position is important. Amen? And I want to revisit what I said um, because this is what the devil puts in our minds. I can do it better. Do you, I served as an associate pastor for nine years. Do you know how many times people would, would come up to me and, and it, was the, it was the devil speaking through them? How many times people came to me and they said, you should be speaking more? You should, we love hearing you. We, 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 we love you. You're so good. You're the best things in sliced bread. Uh. You know what God called me to? Be teachable. Lift up my, lift up at that time my, my lead pastor. Really be there for him. Pastor James, did you ever, ever have disagreements with, with the lead pastor at that time? Absolutely. I had more of a modern mindset. He had more of a traditional mindset. But you know where we, you know where we talked those things out? For number, number one important, where we talked them out? In private. And when we were around other people, we didn't go to everybody telling them, oh, this pastor, he, he's horrible, and this pastor, and this, and that, and, and bringing division. Like in workplaces where people go and they talk and they go to the water. They used to call it the water cooler. I don't know what they call it anymore. They go and, and they talk, you know what? Can you believe the boss did this? Can you believe they did that? Can you, all of this. And all they're doing is they're sowing seeds of division and disharmony. That's not God. Jesus says to, to, to slaves, he says, obey your masters. In everything that you do. In, in fact, when, when I worked at the mine, 
at, at Magma Copper, I was privileged to work on one side of management, and then I was privileged to work on the other. So I, I worked as a time card employee, and then I worked at, uh, in, in salary. And, and God taught me how to lead before I ever became a supervisor. The, the, the way that you lead before you become a supervisor is very important. Amen? The, the way that you lead before you ever stand in front of 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, 400 people, or whatever, the way that you lead before you get there is very important. Because once you get in front of people, there's a lot of danger if you don't learn sub, uh, submission and servanthood. That's why I say to you all the time, don't put your eyes on anybody except for Jesus. And that's exactly what, 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 what Paul was writing to, to, the, to the church in, in Colossae. He, he's saying, uh, you know, you're going to be... You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to, to only please your boss when they're around. Now, let me say something that's important. It's very important. You see, um, people are going to be tempted to do one of two things outside of, outside of Christ in our carnality, in our flesh. And here, here's the, the, one, the, the one thing is to work only when your boss is around so that you don't get into trouble. No one struggles with this in this service, but second service, they... No, 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 we all do, right? That's a, temptation. That's a temptation in our flesh. Work when your boss is around so that you don't get in trouble. You know what the other temptation, the pendulum goes the other way? Work only when your boss is around so that you get uh, accolades, so you can impress a boss, but when the boss isn't around, you don't do anything. And both are wrong. Amen? Because we should, we should work and submit ourselves in everything all the time. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I came to Jesus, he began to work internally in my heart. The Holy Spirit began to do internal work where he would, he would convict me. To not be a man pleaser, to not be a boss pleaser, but to be a God pleaser. Because if you're a God pleaser, can I tell you something? Whether people are around or not, you're doing the right thing. And he, and he begins to, to, to move in your life and, and, and to change your life, right? Because you don't want to become passive aggressive. Passive aggressive means that you get back a you get back at people in a nice way. So your boss comes and you you say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do everything," and inside you're thinking, "You're a jerk. I ain't going to do nothing." And as soon as they leave, you do the opposite. Amen. Passive. You're you're, you're really being aggressive, but passively aggressive. That's not God. That's not God. Paul said, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. And there's a key word there, serve. Be because we, 
we have a new uh, position. We don't work anymore. I, and I think, I want you to think with me. I, I, I think about it this way. We don't work anymore because everything's grace. Amen? When you're a Christ follower, God has graced you. My job is, a, is grace. Amen? God graced me with, with, with my job. This, this, what, my vocation as a senior pastor, God has graced me with it. And it's the same for you. Wherever you're working, God graced you with that job. If you can look at it with that mentality, it'll change everything. But now you're not working, but you're serving. You're serving God's purposes. And let me tell you what God's purposes are, is to make a difference in people's lives. Remember I talked about, um, I went uh, salary, I took a bossing position. I never took a bossing position for, for the first years in the mine because I made, as a contract miner, I made just as much as the bosses a, a lot of times. I did very well. And when, when, when they would ask me, I didn't have the headache that the bosses had. But then I came to Jesus, and Jesus began to work in my life, and he worked in my heart, and he brought a young, a young supervisor who was on the fast track. And this supervisor, they, they had high hopes for him. He was, he was a very sharp guy. And, and, and they brought him on. He became my boss. And we formed this relationship. And, and God brought him into my life for one reason and one reason only. He brought him into my life so he could come to know Jesus Christ. He wasn't a Christ follower. So we talked about the things of God. We talked about marriage and what God had done in my life. And, and just through osmosis, you know, just through, through, through me living my life, he began to get impacted. And the last thing, they shut down the, the, the mining operations there at, at BHP, when it became BHP. The last thing that I ever did there at that, at that company is I came up from underground, went to the surface, and he called me before I came up and he said, he said, bro, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. The last thing that I ever did before I went out the door is I led him to Jesus Christ. There's a bigger purpose in your job. There is so much of a bigger purpose in your paycheck, beloved. The money, the money that you receive is just icing on the cake. Let me tell you, you're not going to take that with you when you die. But you will take the people with you that give their life to Jesus Christ. And so, so that's, this is what Paul is saying. Whatever you do, you, know, you, you need to do it unto God. And, and I love how, the, um, how verse 23 says, whatever you do, do it uh, enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. Th that's another translation right there. And enthusiasm literally means full of God. When, when, when we do our work full of God, it changes everything. Amen? I, I, I have to believe that there's someone in here, someone watching, that, that you're struggling at work right now. You're struggling because either your, your boss or either people that you're managing, they're troublesome and, and, and they're sucking the life out of you. But here's what I want you to know, that, that, that God never ever runs out of life. He never runs out. And so if you do things full of God, guess what? 
You'll always have the life of Christ working in and through you. And it changes everything because there is a passion behind what you do. There, there is godly pride uh, for, for what you do. There's a sense of purpose for what you are doing. And you look at, at, at your job as I'm serving a greater purpose and a greater cause. Here's the, 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 the next takeaway that I have. Work for the rewards that never perish. And all I mean by this is that uh, if, if you're working solely for a paycheck every week or every other week, then you're working for the wrong reasons. Amen? I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't get paid, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't get paid well for what you do. That's, that's the blessings of God. But if that's the only reason you're working, you're missing the, the greater purpose of your life. Right? Right? Are you with me? Verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master that you are serving is Christ. When you, when you do your work for Christ, you will never be shortchanged. Some of you are they're thinking, I'm getting, the, I'm getting the wrong end of the stick. They're doing me wrong. Can I tell you something? If you're doing things for Christ and through Christ, you will never be shortchanged. How many of you believe that? You, you won't believe it if you're, if you're not in your new position. Because you're still living in your carnality. You're still living in your flesh. You're still living in your, in your you. But if you believe that you have a new position, you got to believe that God's for you. He's not against you. And if he's for you, then there is nothing and no one that can take what he has for you. But sometimes you got to go through the process. Sometimes he's got to teach you things in the process. Let me tell you, as I've, as I've worked for people or as I have um, had people work for me, what I've learned over and over and over and over and over again is that people are people. Just like I am. And people do things sometimes that make you scratch your head just like I do things sometimes that probably makes God scratch his head. But I've always come away from every situation, every circumstance in my leading or being led, I've always come away with seeing that God had a plan. In everything. It, it, even, even if we talk about our, 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 our physical health, how many of you understand or how many of you know that, that when you're healthy, God has a plan, and when you're sick, God has a plan? How many of you have trusted God more when you're sick? How many of you have cried out more to God when you're sick than when you're well? How, how many of you have spent more time praying when you have a bad situation at work than you ever did when everything was going really good? There's a greater purpose. And that's what Paul is talking to the Colossians 
about. He says, do things enthusiastically. Be filled with God. And understand this truth that, that, that God sees everything. And when you're doing things wrong, he sees that. When you're being malicious, he sees that. And he has no favorites. That, that boss that is a, is a tyrant, he loves him just as much as a boss that isn't. Amen? He sent his son for that boss. That is a potential friend of Jesus. One of the greatest, one of the greatest changes and transformations in my relationship with the boss, it was this boss that, that, uh, that was, uh, he was a tyrant. And, and, and he, would, he would do whatever it took to, to move up the ladder. I'll never forget this. And, and I was working, um, doing a job, and that boss that I was telling you about, that young man that, that he was on the fast track, uh, he was my immediate supervisor, and I was, I was doing this job, and, 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 and it was a very high-priority uh, uh, job that needed to be done. And so he calls me, he says, James, is, that, is it done? Is this job done? And, and I said, it, it, it's almost done, but there's a rail that needs to be put in, that, and, and, and it's, so they'll have to do that when they come in. And he said, no, no, we'll just call it done. And I said to myself, if I call it done, it's going to mess up the other boss because he's going to have to come in and it's going to take him two hours. When you come underground, you go down the cage, you got to get in your, in your man train or in your, um, in your locomotive and you got to go to the workplace. So it's going to take him two hours to get there, get all his supplies out, do the job. So it would take him till lunch to get the job done. He said, don't worry about it. Don't just talk to your opposite boss. They tell him to put a piece of rail and that. So guess what I did? He said, uh, Carl White, uh, I said the name. <laughs> so, so this boss calls me. He said, James, is this job done? I said, yeah, it's done. And everything in me said, you just lied. And I, I'll never forget, I, went, I, I came up to the surface and I felt horrible. And, and this other supervisor went down, my opposite boss went down. It took him until lunchtime to get the job completed. And I went home to a small group and I told him, I feel horrible for lying at work. It's the Holy Spirit that does that, by the way. Amen? The Holy Spirit wants us to walk in truth, okay? So I, I, I go to the small group and I said, but I know what I need to do. I want you guys to pray for me because when I get there on Monday, I'm going to go talk to this boss. I'm going to tell him I'm going to make things right. And so I get down there. I get to work on Monday. And, and that, that young uh, boss on the fast track. I told him what I was going to do. I'm going to go have a talk with this, this, this boss and, and, and let him know that, that, that I, didn't, I wasn't honest. And he said, you don't have to do that, bro. What are you, what are you talking about? What are you I said, I am. So I went and it was busy. The Bosch's shack, it was the, the largest underground mine, uh, copper producing underground mine in the world. It was busy. So there's bosses that are going all over the place. They're talking, hey, you've got to go to panel 14. You gotta, this has to be done. And so this guy's doing all that. And I go, and my mind's, I, all I'm thinking about is i got to make things right. So I go to this guy, and I said, uh, can I have a talk with you? He said, yeah, Reese, what, what do you need? I said, well, on Friday before I left, I told you that job was done. But I want to tell you that I work for someone higher than you. And I lied to you that day. But I'm going to tell you right now, I looked him straight in the eye. I said, I will never lie to you again. And he, and he looked at me like if I was nuts. He went, what? Okay, Reese, okay, don't worry about it. But after that, it changed our relationship because I began to understand that I was walking in the newness of Christ. 
Amen? And I was more concerned about being right with God than I was in concern with being right with people even when I was doing the wrong thing. Amen? So, so maybe this will help somebody here today when you're faced with the pressures of trying to please people and do the wrong things even when it goes contrary to what God would have you do. Now, here's, here's the last point real quick. Servant leaders or servant managers are always the best first chair leaders. Now, they write a lot of books about this nowadays. This is really big, but it's very biblical, right? And Jesus is our example of the perfect servant leader. He, he taught the disciples a very important lesson in John 13. He washed their feet. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But I want to bring some scripture that, 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 that he said as, as he's washing their feet. Now, I, have to, I want you to think about this. That Jesus washing the, the disciples' feet was taking the place of a servant. But not only a servant, but the lowest servant of the house. So the lowest of the low washed the feet of the of the, of, of the family, okay? So this is, what, this is what Jesus says. You call me teacher or master and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves or second, second chair leaders are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So, so what's our takeaway, beloved? It's one thing to know what God says. It's another thing to do what God says. Amen. It's one thing to know that I need a savior. It's another thing to bring that savior into my life. It's another thing for me to follow him, to allow for him to, to lead me. Um, there was this, uh, um, this minister. Uh, she was actually a, a, a seminary professor. Her name is Carla Nortcutt. And she said this, the goal of many leaders is to get people to think more highly of the leader. The goal of a great leader is to help people to think more highly of themselves. Who are you? Who am I? A am I a leader that, that is narcissistic, that, that wants people to notice me? That's a temptation. That wants people to say, oh, you're so good. That's a temptation. Or am I a leader that says, my whole priority in life is to make other people better. My, my, my aim, my goal in life is for people to find their worth. For people to leave my presence feeling better than when they first got there. Something for us to process, amen? You see, as I pan the audience... I see a lot of first chair leaders. Nanette Soule, 
principle led in many ways, but I'll tell you what her key attribute is. She serves people. She cares about the greater good. I see other people that, that have led in, in great ways. I see Dave Kachi. Dave Kachi led in, in, in a very high, high position. And you know what I see in Dave? He cares about people. And more importantly, he cares about God. For, for all of us in here, you see, not only as I pan this audience, there are some of you that have done more for the kingdom of God than, than people would even understand. There, there, there are people that are sitting here that, that God has used you, he's given you a platform, and you've done more for the kingdom of God, and, and, and nobody even knows it. But here's what, I, here's what I want you to know, God does. Wouldn't that be beautiful that you finish your life and everyone said, you know, I don't know how significant he was. You know, Benny Silva, he went around and he just hugged people. He just made people feel good. And and we, there was not enough room in, in the whole town of Oracle for that service. Why? Because he led well. Benny led well from the second chair or the third chair or the fourth chair, wherever God placed him. He led well. He led well from the first chair. I'm talking to, to all of us in here. You know, God has a plan for your life. And that plan includes for you to make other people better. Can I tell you why? Because Jesus came to make you better. And once you're secure in that, beloved, once you're secure in that, then it's easy to humble yourself and help others. Amen? It's, it's insecurity that does not allow for you to, 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 to serve others. Insecurity breeds pride. And pride comes before the fall. Amen? So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for fearfully and wonderfully making every single person in this world. But Lord, we speak for ourselves. Thank you for making us who you made us. Thank you for showing us in your word that, uh, that leadership is important. Jesus, you are the greatest leader. You are the greatest leader known to man. And you teach us that servant leadership is the way to lead. You, you teach us through your word and through the Apostle Paul and the other apostles that, that leading from the second chair is vital. That when we, when we humble ourselves and make other people better, Lord God, it makes, it makes us better. It makes our workplace better. I, I pray, Lord, for, for everyone and every person's workplace, every, pla- every person's uh, serving place, that, that, Lord, they will serve with integrity and grace and love. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Direct us so that we can be impact makers through Jesus. And we'll be very careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said a big amen and amen. God bless you. Let's worship our Lord.